Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Buddhist Millionaire podcast. I tell you, today I am probably the most excited because I'm with one of my favorite men on the planet for various reasons. Um, I interviewed this guy, I'll tell you who he is in a minute, for the book, How to Be a Buddhist Millionaire. He's one of the 11 people. And um, we did it I think, on one or two interviews. One was online and one when we got our dogs together, Rowan and Smudge. And then we chatted on the way, which is amazing. And uh, he's a star of stage screen TV. And he's, um, and he's a, a maestro jiu-jitsu man. So it's Mr. George Asprey. Hey, man. How are you? Hey, Matt. How are you going? <laughs> You know, I was obviously leading up to this. I know we're friends. I'll tell everyone in a little, uh, little while, while, you know, how we met. But I was just scanning through your uh, IMDb site, right? And I up jumps a picture of you with Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> like, what happened? What's that all about? <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> actually, there's a there's quite a funny story about that. And I don't know if we have time for me. We to have. Know. We have. <laughs> so um, obviously I was, um, I was training at Andy's, uh, Andy Roberts um, Academy, Jiu-Jitsu Academy. And I was rolling with this blue belt and he was about 110 kilos, huge lad. And you and me uh, are both pretty little guys, right? Yeah, we're both. We're both pretty small. We, we make up I'm, two of the um, twiglets in the Christmas twiglet box. Exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm 67 kilos <laughs> ringing yeah. weight, and um, and anyway, so he uh, I had him in side control. I'm I'm sorry for anyone who doesn't do jujitsu. This is this is very boring, but I had him in side control, and his way of escaping was elbowing me in the face. Nice. Um, that completely <laughs> unintentional. <laughs> Exactly. How else do you escape from cycling? Exactly. Don't worry about um, all that pressure business and get you know shrimping elbow in the head. Exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, anyway, and it was it was perfect. So of course my eye just came up, um, it, like a perfect shiner. I go home and my wife says, "What the hell?" Um, words to that effect, <laughs> and. And I said, well, it's all right. It's fine. You know, it was a mistake. And, I, you know, to be honest, I wear so much makeup in Lion King, which is my day job, if you like, yeah. um, that uh, that it doesn't matter. You know, they just cover it up and it's no problem at all. And she said, what if you get a film audition? I go, I'm not going to get a film audition. Don't be silly. Um, anyway, well, Kirsty, my wife, obviously had put this out into the universe because yeah, the yeah. universe came back the next day. <laughs> And uh, my Asian phone me said, you've got a film audition. I went, ah, oh, okay, wow. interesting. Um, and she said, it's tomorrow. I was like, right. And she said, and it's for Guy Ritchie's latest I, film. Yeah. And I said, was it the anyone, yeah. And if anyone's going to understand about a black eye through jiu-jitsu, it's going to be Guy Ritchie, who is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's under Roger, isn't he? And Andy's under Roger, right? Yeah, he is. Well, actually, he got his black belt under Henzo. Oh, okay. I think Henzo, Henzo gave him his black belt. But he does, he does train uh, with Roger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I go up to the, uh, I go to the audition, and I go. The audition is between the matinee show and the evening show, of The Lion King. So, you know, the makeup department said look do you want us to cover that up for you and I said actually no I think this could work to my advantage oh, this is it. so um, 
Exactly. So I go to the audition and you're basically you're put on, you do the scene from the film on, on camera with the casting director. Guy wasn't there. And, uh, and, she's, and the casting director said, what, what, what happened to Black Eye? And I said, ah, well, I was training jiu-jitsu, told her the story. She went, Guy does jiu-jitsu. And I went, does he really? Well, how <laughs> extraordinary. Um, anyway, she said, oh, make sure you tell the story on, on camera. And I said, well, if you think it would help, absolutely. So anyway, so I tell the story. Consequently, I get the job um, playing Lord Snowball in The Gentleman. And I walk on set. And Guy comes up to me and he says, you know, the only reason you got this job is because you do jiu-jitsu. Oh, like, yeah, brilliant. I know. I know. <laughs> and I don't even know. So it was absolute serendipity at, at, its, at its most beautiful. Um, yeah, so Matthew McConaughey and I um, on set all day together. It, it was a dream. And it was just, he is just the loveliest, loveliest guy. Now, my wife always gets annoyed with me because she says that I think everyone is the loveliest guy. Um, but he really is. He's just, I mean, there's no ego there at all. And he's completely selfless um, as, a, as a fellow actor and just as a human being. So, I hadn't um, realised, I'd seen some of his stuff. And this, this, this interview is not about him, it's about you. But just because this is linked, because of what we have chatted about in the past, the idea of Buddhist millionaireship, etc. And I've seen yeah. some of his stuff and actually, and he's quite, he's into the same sort of stuff. He's quite a spiritual guy. I mean, I know it's a general term and I hadn't realized that. And I looked at his things and went, well, he's into that sort of stuff. He gets it, the whole serendipity and the positivity, all that sort of stuff. He's uh, very yeah. similar, right? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And uh, we, we had some great chats about it actually, about um, faith and um, spirituality mm. and, and uh, which, again, in itself was not something that you you sort of talk to other actors about straight no. away. You know, no. and not, not many people that you feel you can open up to about that. I mean, I'm quite open about my face and, and everything like that and, and, and things that I believe in and, and concepts that um, I know we share uh, and, you know, a, a certain attitude to life if yeah. you like but yeah. it's not something that I, I share with people on the first day of meeting yeah, no, no, but with exactly. Matthew he was so obviously open um as as a person and and yeah his his sort of I hate the word aura but you know no, do you know no, what I mean, no, I mean, I mean his presence his aura, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. His, yeah his presence was just it, it was it was wonderful to bathe in really and it was just a uh, yeah, it was it was a really fantastic day. That's amazing. Uh, and he gave me some of his. He, he makes his own bourbon as well. He makes Is his he? own bourbon, and yeah, and he gave me some of that at the end of the day. So that was just another benefit. To after it. that, everything's great, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Even I'm great after after that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to get I'm going to tell um, listeners then actually how we met, because that's that is relevant, I think, and leads us on to why you, in my opinion, are one of the kind of epitomes of a Buddhist millionaire. So um, very quickly, if I'm wrong, George, just just correct me. You know what my memory is like. But I was writing for a magazine called Jiu Jitsu Style. Um, been writing for them for about four years, I think. And in one of those weird ways that do, I think online, George had said something like, I like a piece or something like that, right? Thanks, mate. I've Great. written to you. Um, ah, 
saying how I tweeted you saying how much I love this piece that you wrote. Okay, I brilliant. can't remember exactly what it was, but it was it was something about the philosophy of jiu-jitsu, and it just it just struck a chord with me, and I just felt that I had to get in touch with you. Uh, and then I looked I looked at your profile, and there's you in in your um, sky in your Lion King makeup, and I'm like hang on, what do you do for a living? Because that's pretty interesting. And then this, this whole conversation started and, and, and we met. And then this, this is the, the kind of clincher. You kindly raised, I think it was for Sherry, so for my wife's 40th, we came down to not only train on the Lyceum stage with you and Sean Escoffrey. Sean plays uh, Mufasa, doesn't he, in The yeah. Lion King? And uh, George plays Scar. Not only did we train we're on the Lyceum on, on, on this jiu-jitsu match, which in itself is bizarre, surrounded by this, this set. Um, we then went for dinner and we came back to watch the show, right? The light, now, I, I love the Lion King show. When I was, when I was young, my, my children grew up on the Lion, Lion King, on the, you know, the cartoon, and I loved it. So we saw the show, and I'm a bit of a, a closet show. I, just, I, I could watch all shows. I love them. I just love it. Anyway, we watched the show, and this, this, is, this is the clincher. The... And I don't mean to embarrass you, George, uh, and if I do, I'm sorry. But the, the passion and the absolute, yeah, the passion for your work was so... You talk about Matthew McConaughey having presence, right? For me, from back here in the, in the, um, in the stands, as it were, in the seats, I could feel the same thing. It was mind-blowing. And then we went for a drink after, and you basically said you'd been in Lion King for like 10 years or something, which, is, which in the West End yeah. or in Broadway is unheard of. And yeah. my daughter um, kind of was in sort of theatre world for a little bit. And I realised how hard that is to keep interested really for more than two or three years. And the fact that you were so good, so passionate for that long was like, wow, that is different level. And in my head, I'm like, he's a Buddhist millionaire. And I think we arranged to interview straight after that. Yeah, we um, yeah, you uh, you came down to my house and we trained, we trained together in the man cave, and you brought a smudge down, and uh, yeah. our dogs played, and and we played, and uh, yeah, that was great. And then we did a another a telephone telephone interview, didn't we? And I have to say, reading the book, I you make me sound so much uh, more together and intellectual than than i i am at all. I think <laughs> you must have paraphrased it in a writer's way because I'm sure that I'm not that. <laughs> that coherent in in my in my views and uh and my speech man, so, so um, young, yeah no it was uh it was it was wonderful but uh you do you know you do meet people um and you strike a chord with that person and, and i think it was just that way with us wasn't it it was just mm. uh shared interests shared beliefs shared philosophies um my philosophies aren't nearly as advanced or coherent as yours well no no I, I, think, <laughs> I think that's fair to say uh, but, it, but then again I haven't studied them um as intricately as as you may have done as you had definitely have done um so yeah it was uh it was a serendipitous meeting but I I just I I, I can't I wish I could remember now what the article was about I think it was about ego in jiu-jitsu or, or something like that and and everyone says oh leave your ego at the door but yours wasn't quite that yeah. it was you have to have ego but it's the way you serve that ego or it, it was something, yeah, like, something that. Anyway, like that i'll dig that so somewhere comprehensively with me that I, I really felt i had to get in touch so 
And listen, today I wanted to um, look at, because this has been really interesting. I mean, crazy, what are we, 14 months, right? COVID, the gift that keeps on giving, right? And I, wanna, I wanted to talk to you about this because you, um, as a Buddhist millionaire, you know, we, we've, we've done that, but you've been in the book, etc. But I wanted to speak about kind of real, you know, when things fall apart, the truth is, your industry, I mean, loads of people, of course, it happened to everybody, but um, your industry just shut down, kind of, you know, West End was decimated. Essentially, you haven't been able to do what you do. So the obstacles for you have been massive. Like, so for me, I can still write, okay, and I can, um, I've been doing some online teaching, that's fine. So I could do something, yes, scratch levels, but something, but your work has just gone boom. And I want to speak about that because a lot of people who want to, um, you know, live the life they want to live, be a Buddhist millionaire, they're going to come across obstacles. And most people fall obstacles. And I wanted to chat with someone who's, whose whole world came down. What has that been like, COVID for you, your work? I mean, how have you managed it? What has it been like? Um, interesting um interesting and not necessarily in a negative way um so i'm i'm a strong believer and i and i think we've we've talked about this before so forgive me if i'm repeating myself but i refuse to worry about things that i have no control over there's just no point it's it's is I if I do not have the power to change something, then it's absolutely useless to to worry about them. So I had no power to change um, COVID. I had no power to bring theatres back. So I just I just didn't worry about it. Um, what I did have a power to do was you say in the book. Every journey starts from where you are now. And that is where I found myself in March due to COVID. Mm. I found myself at the start of a different journey. Um, so I, I, I couldn't perform at the theatre, so I had to go on a, a different path. Um, now, at the beginning, that path was homeschooling uh, my three daughters because right. my yeah. wife was still working from home. So I, I became a teacher, um, much to the chagrin of my three daughters, I must admit. That's tricky, but, that, um, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, that it, it is. It really is. I mean, oh, dear goodness, no one deserves me as a teacher. Um, <laughs> but it that that was that was where we went we had um you know we were lucky we had savings and stuff but and we were but we were unlucky because i earned because i was self-employed and i earned over the certain level um, yeah. it means that i didn't get anything from the government which again everyone was like oh are you worried about that again beyond my control nothing i can do about it so why waste the energy on worrying about it yeah, yeah, yeah. um and i know i've, I've talked about um, putting things out into the universe again, but and it's it's not like some sort of witchy wacky thing that I believe. But I do believe that if you are, if you open yourself up to opportunity, then opportunities will come. And I open myself up to basically after a certain amount of time and sort of coming towards the end of the first lockdown, I 
decided that I had to earn some money somewhere. Mm -hmm. So um, I was talking about this with a friend and a friend of mine said, well, do you know what? I really need my hallway painting. I was like, I, I love painting. Let, let, I'll do that for you. She says, well, look, I'm going away on holiday. Can you, can you get it done before? I said, absolutely. So I was there. Um, it was actually a bigger job than I thought, but I, you know, I started work at sort of nine o'clock in the morning and finished at seven in the evening and, and was there sort of all week. Um, he came back, he was pleased. He told someone else, someone else said, Oh, I've got something that I need doing, or I've got this garage that needs painting. Could you, and I said, that? absolutely. So word of mouth sort of got there and I started sort of become a sort of an mm. odd job man. Um, then a friend of mine phoned me up and said, um, he runs a, a lawn maintenance company, a sort of a lawn care company. And he said, look, I really need someone just to do some sort of heavy lifting for me um, for six weeks. Sort of, you know, he's got a sort of uh, heavy machinery that he needs to take around the place yeah. and he yeah. needs to scarify lawns, hollow time lawns, which is like, you know, making holes in the soil sort of thing. And this happened in sort of um, late summer, early autumn. And he needed help for six weeks. And he said, what do you do? And I said, absolutely, I'd, that'd be fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I started working with him for six weeks. Um, then his main guy, the guy that he employed full time, uh, left suddenly, leaving him in the lurch. And he said, look, George, would you take over? And I said, absolutely, Let, you know, I'll do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was so lucky. It was it was like well, one there thing. are two things that come up there. Sorry to disturb you. Yeah. You said I was so lucky. But two things I've written down in my notes here, right? That is one of the things which I don't think that's lucky. Versatile. So especially in your world, right? Where you, you know, in your world, you're well known. Some people, some people would die to be as I don't like the term, but famous like that, right? And there you are. And, and this, this might, the point I'm making here is because it's a lesson to us all, prepared and open enough to go, yeah, I'll paint a hall or, or I don't know what it was, okay, hall or room. Yeah, I'll do some gardening. And that, I think, I think, and, that, and, and, and with absolute honour and to do it fully, that is an absolute skill of versatility. It's an amazing quality. And I don't think, enough people in my view do that are prepared to so-called come back down it's not coming back down at all but you see what i mean and i think that ability to be versatile is is what makes those people who succeed in anything and even with that i can i can imagine that you were just as passionate about painting and lugging around heavy equipment and you know putting the the holes in the grass i just know that would be the case possibly singing through it who knows i don't know that goes <laughs> But that's amazing, though. And I, that's, I mean, that really is a lesson. And so, you, you, you know, you make your own luck, really, I think. That's amazing. Um, I, I definitely, whatever I, whatever I do, I try and do with passion and to 110% of, of, of my ability. So whether it's spraying lawns. Um, so as soon as I started working for the lawn maintenance company, I just read everything I could about Did lawn really? care. Yeah. And I tried to find out everything I could. So if the customers had questions, um, then uh, I was hopefully able to answer them. Um, I mean, knowledge is power. And yes. it's, it's, it's the same whether you're, uh, you're writing a book or you're 
acting in a play or you're looking after someone's lawn. It's, um, you know, it, it, it's knowledge is, is power and freedom as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm still doing this job. So this is now 10 months later. Um, and I'm outside. I'm, it's exercise. I, and also, well, can we, we'll get on to um, the, the, the other benefits of lockdown and, and of, of me not doing Lion King in later, but I, I lead an, now an incredibly simple life. Um, a lot of it is solitary. Yeah. Uh, me, a van, and and just walking the lawns. Um, occasionally, I'm I'm with someone when we're we're doing a a, a big job, and so there's camaraderie as well. Occasionally, um, I'm in beautiful spaces, or if I'm not in a beautiful space, I'm given the opportunity to make it a beautiful space. Mm, amazing. So it's you know there there are so many benefits to this job. It's not well paid, but it it's enough it's enough for me to to get by on and yeah. one of the things that lockdown or, or this whole period has taught me is to be thankful for what you have mm. and to realize what you have and to make use of what you have so um for instance we we talked about when you came and trained trained in the man cave that i have which is a big shed that i built at the bottom of the garden i put jiu-jitsu mats in it um it's and, all my highlights uh, to be in George Esmond's man cave. I tell you, that <laughs> on the stage in Lion King and man cave, job done, I could die tomorrow. And <laughs> we're all good. We reached the two um, levels. <laughs> and, and I mean, and to have that facility for me was just fantastic. It means I could do online jiu-jitsu classes. It means I, I, I've, I had kettlebells that I really never used before. But suddenly the fact that I had all these kettlebells just, yeah. just was a, a wonderful tool. Um, so I get up at 6.15 in the morning, I go down to the man cave, I do 150 kettlebell swings uh, with a 28 kilogram kettlebell. I do a 10 minute yoga flow that um, a friend of mine, Adam Ellis, do you know Adam? He's yeah, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he gave me this, this yoga flow, which is just beautiful. Um, it also means I'm listening to Adam's voice every morning for 10 minutes. So even though I haven't seen Adam, I feel like I've spent <laughs> so like much there. time. He's there in your bed with you. <laughs> so I, so this wonderful facility that I have has just come into its own. Um, and so little things that you take for granted, suddenly you realize what an asset they are. And you also realize how little you do need to spend. Yeah. I've, you know, I've been thinking about this a ton this less is more right and you see yeah. you know you see it on every meme and it doesn't really mean anything right someone else puts it up on facebook they've nicked from brendan burchard or someone else less is more. but actually as you start to strip away and sometimes when you're pushed in a corner or the covid corner we've had to strip away and i'm very much like you right now we've, we come out here for me to write full time to try and work on some fiction stuff as well actually which i'm loving but that's just not about me but just that's a point and i'm essentially writing meditating doing yoga and that's that's kind of it and you realize wow you know you spend all that time building and you will have done this as well building your career and either building a you know martial arts academy or an acting career or a writing career and actually at the end you're just kind of unstripping it you sort of get toward that zenology don't you where you think actually yeah less it, it's all it's all right there in your hands if you stop enough to look at it and i think in many ways covid 
I, I'm not disrespecting people who've lost their lives at all. I'm not saying that COVID is this great gift. Please don't mistake that. What I'm saying is to have my silver lining head on, which I like to keep on, you know, it has been good in many ways to just sort of slow everyone down, right? Yep. I, I, and again, I'm like you, I'm not saying that, um, that COVID has been a good thing because I know for, I know how lucky I am mm. um, to have a lovely garden to be out in, to have a man cave to work out in, to have a house with space where my three daughters can get away from me and I can get away from them. Um, but, you know, for the first time um, in 13 years, I've been able to have supper with my family every night. Um, for the first time in 13 years, I've had weekends. Um, although I, I tend to work six days a week doing this, but I, you know, I've had like a, a whole day Sunday in Lion King. Um, Mondays are our day off and it's, you know, not having that family day has, yeah, yeah. You know, has been sort of one of the downsides of the job, if you like. So I have, and again, as I was saying, I have a very simple life. I get up early. I leave the house at 7.30. I come back uh, from, from work at about 6.30 in the evening and I have supper um, spank the kids, send them to bed, and uh, you know, and then I and then I have time with my wife Kirsty. We, you know, Kirsty and I haven't spent this much time together since we were married. So, yes, um, you know, because we were, you know, we were married in two thousand and four, and and I I've been doing film, theatre, or TV since then. You know, and and so it's 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 just been a time where you you can sort of reconnect. Also. Yeah. Having done like that's okay. correct. Reconnect. I like that. Yeah. It's going down in my notes here. Um, also, you know, doing Lion King for for twelve years, you do sort of stand in an odd way, and you you get injuries, sort of RSI injuries that you don't really know about. Yeah, I'm because I've been able to do yoga every morning and 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 work out. Um, with kettlebells which are such a wonderful tool um, for uh, a complete a sort of all over physical yeah. workout and well-being um, I've, I've healed um, also we haven't you know we haven't been able to train jiu-jitsu uh for a for a, over a year now um i managed to do some rolling when we when it when we got back and we were able to semi gap, small yeah. bubbles yeah but um <clears throat> that was only sort of four or five sessions so suddenly you know my shoulder hasn't been american i'm the same it works. <laughs> you know? i can actually lift up I, can actually, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can i can do a shoulder press oh my goodness this is amazing <laughs> exactly um unfortunately i do have um sort of uh tennis elbow from raking a lot now which is a, a new rsi injury but new RSI. Okay. when i go back to lion king i'll i won't be raking anymore and yeah, i'll be yeah. able to uh to, to heal from that one so when you say yeah. that about the ground stuff uh, so the um i think it was the last episode i interviewed alessandro sabo it's actually my we've been best mates for years but he so we we, we have a kind of a 
Um, we've, well, we've known each other 20 odd years, right? And we're very similar, both Sagittarians, fiery. We've been the angry teenager, young man, et cetera, et cetera, settled down. But anyway, Ali's come into this back end, you know, into, now he's, what am I, 48, he's 52, I think. So, you know, this other stage of our lives. And he's taken on an allotment. And like you, George, Ali is, um, when he wants to do something, he's in it. Books everywhere. He's always sending me YouTube clicks of, of clips of what he's into, saying, if you see this, I'm like, no, I'm not into that. But, uh, what, you know. And, he, and he, he looks at his stuff, but like you, but his connection with the ground, you know what I mean, with, with uh, the simplicity and reconnect. That's why I wrote that down, reconnected. I have never seen him so happy in my whole life, so settled. There was a stage, and he won't mind me saying this publicly because he would say it, where I feared that he was going to end up in jail. He'd lose his temper in the wrong place, and it would just, just, it would just you know what I mean? It just in the wrong, wrong time, wrong place, he loses stuff. I have never seen him so settled now. And there is something about being back with the earth, and you're finding that a little bit, it looks like, or it certainly sounds like to me. Well, um, gardening has always been a, a joy for me, uh, growing vegetables, especially. Um, I, I don't even remember the garden, but I've got a, you know, I'm so lucky to have a, a big garden. And the one side of it is devoted to veggie beds, to raised veggie beds. Yeah. Um, and now I've actually got time to, to, to look after those beds once a week on a Sunday, I can just go out for a couple of, couple of weeks, a couple of hours and, uh, and do some weeding or do some planting or whatever. Um, Kirsty, my wife has got into gardening during this lockdown and there's something so pleasurable from working hard at something and seeing a result. Mm. Now, yes, that can be, that can be writing a book, but it could also be weeding your border. I absolutely or agree. It, it can be, you know, I mean, I've taken the opportunity to make my lawn look fantastic because, you know, I've been able to do all the all the um, all the treatments that I do on other people's lawns. I've been I'm able to do on my lawn. So my lawn looks incredible at the moment. Um, <laughs> so, you know, just sort of added benefits again. And that that sense of accomplishment from, um, from completing a task. It doesn't matter um, how difficult the task is. It doesn't matter how physically onerous the task is. As long as it's a, a task that is meaningful to you on any level, mm. then the sense of accomplishment is, is wonderful. And yeah, it, it, it doesn't matter how simplistic it is. It's, uh, it's validity still remains. I, I completely agree. And actually, and then watching, um, you know, you talk about simplicity a little bit earlier. And when you watch something grow out of the ground, right, it's still mm. amazing to me. You see something, like we've got a chili plant by that. Not much grows in a mark, right? Apart from <laughs> spiky things. Lots of spiky things survive <laughs> that you walk past. And they get stuck in your arm. You have to embed them from your arm, right? But we got a little chili pepper right at the front door. And when you see a, a pepper um, grow, I know you know it's a pepper, right? But it's something about that. You you see it coming off a tree, and you think that is unbelievable. And we can eat that. And sometimes only when you see it from source do you really appreciate 
the abundance of life, which brings us back to what you said about simplification, because you realize, you know, we're so busy building, 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 building. You realize it's all there. It's on your trees. It's in your ground. It's all there. You could go out and get every Oscar or, you know, writer's award or, you know, black belt you like. Right. But actually just in your world, breathing. We're, we, we're lucky right now that we can we swim every day in the sea. And I was in the sea yesterday. I was having a little bit of a God moment. It, there was a rainbow, which you never see here, and, and storm clouds, which you never see, but we did yesterday. And I was in the sea thinking, that water is unbelievable. Think about it. You, you just lift it up. So, and you don't often think about that, right? You go and you drink it or you swim in it or you pee in it or whatever you, whatever you do. <laughs> but to actually lift it and you think, that is quite amazing. And I think that's the sort of product of this simplification. You start to see that you already have it in your own backyard, right? I mean, it, it constantly amazes me. And I, this sounds ridiculous. But if you look at a tomato seed and how big a tomato seed, and then three months later, you look at the size of your tomato plant amazing. and the tomatoes you're taking off it, um, it's it's just ridiculous. So it's a go, miracle. They're that tiny they're seed that is literally two millimeters in diameter turns into that because you've just added water to it and and nutrients. And yeah, I mean, when you if you think about that, it is crazy. It is absolutely insane. And and that's one of those things that we take for granted. Yeah. So you yeah. can you can look at the simplest thing. Um and it, it is unbelievable. It is the structure of it, the complexity of it, and the wonder of it mm-hmm. is something that we take for granted. But when you actually analyze it, it's simply extraordinary. It, it, it's magic. It's, it and is it doesn't magic. matter what you call that, right? You could put any title. I mean, you know, I'm in a... I'm in a Muslim country at the moment, so they'll, they'll, it will be referred to as, as Allah. Fine. But it doesn't matter what it, God, magic, wonder, nature, science, who, who cares what you're calling, what you're pointing to? It is, it is incredible, right? But I think the key, certainly for me, is to remind myself, stop. Ah. Okay, because when you're busy, when you're moving at speed, you know, like in high streets, we often don't see the top of high streets. We stop. We forget to stop and look up. You go, wow, that's an amazing old building I've never seen. It was. Has that been there? Of course, it's been there. You muppet. But yes. it's the ability to just stop and 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 that again. I'm, I'm not. You know, I'm not the sort of uh, sponsorship line for COVID. But I do think COVID has has helped us or made us stop. So you kind of look around and you think, okay. And it could be positive, right? I mean, it's in certain places, it's been positive. There were those pictures of, I don't know if they're real or doctored, but in uh, Venice, of things cleaning up. Um, yeah. you know, see the, the kind of the waterways. Yeah, but, it, but, it's, but we do have to make the effort to stop, I, I believe. I agree. Um, we, because it's only when you stop that you're able to take time and analyse things. Um, the tops of buildings is, is I've done that before as well, walking down um, the strand and just you, you walk down and you're, you're, you're head down or you're listening to something or, yeah. you know, you're just, you're just plowing on like coming through sort of thing. <laughs> um, and 
but then I love looking at the buildings sometimes. Uh, and London is no better place it's for that. Just, it's just the Georgian arch architecture, um, surrounded by just wonderful, wonderful old theatres and old buildings. And then you start thinking about the sense of history of what's gone on there. And yeah, I mean, one thought can lead to another, can lead to another, can lead to another. And, and it's it can be your own form of entertainment. It can be your own sort of little play. It can be your own scenario. Well, there, um, there is all, you speak about that and, you know, there's, in, I would imagine, I don't know if, I'm, I guess it would be similar in the acting world, but certainly in the writing world, there's a big fear of writer's block, right? But I often think writer's block is, this, is so far, I think that, later, further in my career, I might change my mind. But right now, I think it's a matter of just running down the, the high street without looking. If you stopped and you looked up, you know, the heaven in a grain of sand idea. If you took a moment to look at one tiny thing, there are a million stories there, right? If yeah. you stop and just look at those and get right into it, it's interesting. There is something interesting about one point, which is the whole point of um, certainly meditation, certainly Zen meditation, that one point focus meditation. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been trying your, uh, your muddy water. Oh, did I have you? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I have to say I've, I've, I um I've done meditation before, yeah. uh, and I sort of uh, I just used an app. I can't remember which one. Which app. Headspace, I think it was. Okay, yeah. Um, and I used to do it on the train going in, um, and it was it, and it helped me enormously. And it's something that I'd actually got out of the habit of. Um, but then when I read the book, I really liked the idea. I don't know something about the the jar and waiting for things to settle mm. um and it's only it it was that it was that concept of um through stillness things become clear yeah so it's literally and metaphorically um and that's i've really enjoyed doing that and uh i've been using bigger and bigger jars so they sort of take longer longer and longer to do and uh, i'm sort of um yeah i'm able to concentrate now for a, a sort of a good 20 minutes whereas before you know five minutes was a struggle well it's um, that it's that sitting with things isn't it it's being and, and you're absolutely right that's why i like the jar the meditation jar exercise because it is it's literal and metaphorical you can you can watch it and it can be a timer but it also something symbolically is speaking to you about that is how the brain works that actually we're not, I think this is true of meditation, and I think meditation is just our whole life. We don't have to actually do anything. It brings us all the way back to, um, we choose kind of what we want, right? Like you, at your point, you said, right, I need to open up and get some work. There's the request. And then just not then stressing about it, just like, there it is. I put it out there and then sit and let it come. Just as it does in meditation, you sit, the mind settles, just I think in life, you, you state what you want, let it allow it. Allowance is the key. Allowance and acceptance, I think, are it's just an easier way to live, right? And that's for me, I'm a natural fighter. I will do everything I can to hold up the world to get it as I want to be. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Rather than just do the work, settle. It's much easier. And I see that in, I, I definitely, have you always been like that, George? Or have you had to work at that? I don't know. I think I don't know whether 
<clears throat> I guess, I mean, like starting acting was so sort of serendipitous for me. And I've, I think I've always been open to, to, the, to a path. So for instance, if, if life is sending you in, in a certain direction, then I've always been sort of open to, to follow that direction mm -hmm. and, and, and sort of let it happen. Now, sometimes um, that's because it's been the, the path of least resistance. Right. So, so some might call it a sort of a sign of laziness in a way um, because you're like, okay, well, things seem to be sending me down that way, so I'll, I'll go that way. I mean, the whole acting thing was, was a mistake. I was in America doing a business course, um, which was sort of substandard economics A-level, which I'd already done. And so I thought I took an acting course for a laugh. Um, and then... I love this story. I remember you then, telling me, I love that. I love the way that just all worked. Go on, then, uh, you know, I was doing, a, I was doing a, the college play, which I sort of got one of the leads in, and a lady came up to me and said, have you ever thought of doing this professionally? And I went, no. And she said, well, look, if I could get you an audition for a London drama school, would you go? And I said... Mm, yeah I, well because I wanted to go back to England for a, for a couple of weeks anyway um and she said look I'll because uh, she had gone to Lambda and so she phoned up Lambda and said I've got this student and they were auditioning at the time so I flew back to England um <laughs> did the audition um I I didn't realize that how sort of difficult it was to get into to drama school and I think <laughs> I think it's a, probably a good job because I think two and a half thousand people auditioned for 19 places. Um, anyway, so I, I, was, I got in. They told me I got in. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll do this then. And, and literally it was, yeah. it was that serendipitous. It was, it was completely lucky. Um, and you know yeah. there would have been, in, those, in those, all those people auditioned, like 200 for 19 places, right? You know... Two and a half thousand. Two and a half thousand for 19. Yeah. You know there would have been at least 2,000 who had been fretting about that for a year. And I would argue the very fretting keeps it at bay. I, that was my tennis career. We've spoken about that. My tennis, I, yeah. as you know, I wanted to be a, a, the best, wanted to, you know, be the next Pete Sampras. Sampras wasn't around him, was he? Agassi was my time. Becker, just before that. And because of that, I was rubbish. I was way too keen. And then all the other stuff that I'm not ambivalent about at all, but more relaxed about, certainly not ambivalent, but relaxed, have kind of, have kind of worked. There is, a, there, is a, there is a magic in laziness, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. You can almost want something too much and wreck it for yourself. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think there's a difference between... Uh, you still have to work hard at something. That's yeah. the thing. You still, whatever, whatever path you take and whatever path you decide to take, you still have to put a hundred percent effort into it. Um, but you only get enjoyment from something from putting hundred percent effort into it. Yeah. If you, if you harsh off something, half ass something, you're not, you're just not going to enjoy it as much um, because it's the effort that's enjoyable. It's the commitment yeah. that's enjoyable it doesn't matter if it's a job a relationship um or 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 a, a hobby it's it's the total immersion and commitment that 
that reaps the benefit. And, total and I, that's right. Total immersion and commitment. That's absolutely bang on. Um, so, so that, you know, even though I was incredibly serendipitous uh, of, of what happened to me and, and I was open to, to the paths that God, the universe, whatever you'd like to call it, opened up for me. Um, and also this was before I found faith and before I had any idea of, of the, the, the the how can, how can I put this the the less the the less physical world yeah around. yeah yeah um, the sort of metaphysical oh, I, I guess yeah the metaphysical absolutely yeah. um, you know even though I was I was open to to take that path I still gave it gave it my all mm. I mean I had a very very brief spell in the army and I gave that my all but I was terrible. I mean, when I left the army, the whole British army sort of breathed a collective sigh of relief, I think. Um, I mean, I, I even, on exercise, I even attacked my own men one time. I mean, it was, it was, it was not good. <laughs> it was not good. Um, but, uh, and that was funny enough, that was a path that I always thought was going to be my path. That was, but I thought, When do you then, when do you uh, know to pull the, so two parts, right? You're trying them. Clearly, some have worked and some haven't. You've been passionate about them and give it. When do you? When does your body tell you I'm going to pull the plug on this? Well, that the, it, it is not right. The army, the army, the plug was pulled for me. So, oh, yeah. was, uh, <clears throat> but the less said about that, the better. Um, I think. I think you. I think you. You know. You know in your in yourself that, and there's. A different thing about um, what what are your expectations from from what you're doing? What are the reasons to do it? Do I train jiu-jitsu to become a black belt? Do I train jiu-jitsu to become Roger Gracie? No, I train jiu-jitsu for for fitness, um, for fitness of my body and fitness of my mind. Yeah. Um, I mean that was that's just been one of the, the most beneficial things I've ever done in my life. I mean, yeah, I mean too. I agree. I mean, I, I was a gym rat and I started and I got bored of the gym and it was just like, Oh, good Lord, there has to be something else. And again, <laughs> jujitsu fell into my lap. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know how I started. I, actually, I don't think I do know how you started jitsu actually. So, uh, Sean Escoffrey, uh, who we talked about, um, yeah. plays Mufasa. He uh, was going for... He's annoyingly his, handsome, by the way, for anyone who's listening. Annoyingly handsome. I'm, I'm just he is jealous. an incredible singer. I mean, he, he's he got really amazing <laughs> albums. He's got amazing albums out. If anyone's out there, just go on to I'll put, um, I'll, whatever. When we do this, I'll leave the links for his albums and stuff. Yeah, he's, like he's just... Oh, he's he's just great. Like, he's an amazing guy. He's And he's just the loveliest man in the world. And he's also a brilliant um, martial artist. Yeah. Uh, he started in karate and then went to, he saw um, UFC one and just wanted to, and then as soon as Mark Walder started up, uh, yeah, he, yeah. he trained with Mark Walder in, in like late 1990s, early 2000s. Um, so he's been training right from sort of the, the birth of Jiu Jitsu in, yeah. in this country. 
Um, anyway, so he was going for Who, Who's his, he with? What school was um, he with? Eddie Cohn. That's it, that's it, that's it. Yeah. Um, so he was going for his brown belt and he said, look, George, would you mind just, um, I've got a, Eddie Cohn's very, uh, very into the Gracie self-defense. So the, the sort of the self-defense aspect of jiu-jitsu. Right. And he said, look, can I, can I just like be, can you be my crash test army? I've just got to do all these things. Can you grab me here? And I do this. And I was like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so we had a 20 minute break in act two. Um, where Sean and I were both off stage. I mean, Sean, easiest job in the West End. Mufasa, he's dead before Act One, and the rest of the time he's just watching jiu-jitsu videos. Um, and me, I actually work for a living. Uh, but um, but there was this 20-minute... I hope he's not listening to this. Yeah, well, he knows, he knows. Um, so there's this 20-minute break in, in when I'm off stage in Act Two, and, he's, and so he grabbed me here, or I grab him there, and he do this with his arms and then I get him in a rear nature choke and he'd go there and then throw me over blah 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 and 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 anyway and it got and we would do this every day and we did this for about two months and and then I'd swap over and do it on him and so he was teaching me this and I was like this is fantastic we're in full makeup when we're doing yeah, this. Yeah, we're, not, know, we're, we're, still, <laughs> we're not we're not in um we're not in costume because we you know I have to change out of my costume to yeah. change into a different version of the costume for the second half. But we're in full makeup. Oh the makeup ladies come downstairs stairs um to touch up my makeup and I've got his makeup all over oh my arm. I've got my makeup all over his is but and they're going, What are you doing? <laughs> and, and so he says I, so I think we we decided then that we actually sort of had to find a different time to do this. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So he said, look, there's all this stuff on the ground. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, why not? So um, so we we bought four jigsaw mats. We literally had um, four meter squared mat to, and we put it in a bar in the bar and we just roll on the ground and, and he'd start teaching me stuff rolling. And of course, I'm the ultimate spazzy white belt. So uh, he's just, he's just playing with me. I mean, it's just ridiculous, but he's so good at, at as a human being. We can see that when he's acting, the way he controls his body. And oh, he's just easy. that guy, isn't he? He's, it's, it's quite, he's a real athlete, dancer, just a mover. It's, it's extraordinary, isn't it? And I, 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 I didn't train with, he wasn't, he was there, but he, he had an injury when yeah, uh, that's right. Chesa yeah. came down. So yeah. I don't think he trained with us. He came in to say, hi, is that right? Yeah. But I didn't yeah, get to roll with him, but, um, but I can only imagine he moves like water, man. He's just going to be that guy. He, I mean, yeah, that's exactly, he just, he sort of rides you and it's yeah. just like, it's really annoying. He like surfs your body. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and he's incredibly strong as well, yeah. <clears throat> but he but he doesn't use it. He only uses it when I occasionally get him in a bad position. So he's like, "Whoop!" And I'm like, oh, <laughs> um, So anyway, so he was training. He was training me, and we were just getting. And I was just getting more and more joy. And we also did a Krav Maga class on a okay. Wednesday in between shows, right. and we did this sort of sparring in Krav Maga. And I, I was just up against this. He was a French guy, I think, and he was young and he was a bit enthusiastic. And we were sparring, and I was like, going, Look, you know, I've, I've got a show to do. Can we just chill a bit? <laughs> and he did something and he almost hit me. And I just like, I went, I turned my back and walked away from him because I was just, I was just like, I'd asked him and asked him and asked him yeah. not to go so yeah. hard. Anyway, 
he comes up to me and grabs me round my neck in a sort of like rear naked oh, really? show. Right. I instinctively grab his arm, pull it down, get my base, and throw it. And I was like, I was like, I couldn't believe it. This stuff works. It was like, and I ran back and said to Sean, I said, Sean, this happened. It worked. me up. I was just, and, and from that moment on, I thought the only martial art that I was going to do was jiu-jitsu. I was then lucky enough to, to find Andy Roberts Academy. Um, Andy's now become a, a really good friend and just a, a wonderful teacher and martial yeah. artist. I love Andy. And, He's a great uh, guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. And also we've got Jay Butler there and um, James Hardy, Adam Ellis. We've got just a wonderful collection. Yeah, you've got of some serious hitters up there, some serious yeah. dudes up in your for a, for a small academy, it's, yeah. um, it's, it's a really wonderful place. They punch well above their and, weight for a little academy, don't yeah, they? Yeah, and, and everyone's really accepted me as being an old gear. I mean, I didn't start jiu-jitsu until I was 47. So yeah, it's how not old are you now? I don't even know how old you are now. How old are you? I'm 54. Are you? You don't look 54. Oh, bless you. Um, so, you know, I've been training sort of nearly eight years now. Um, and uh, Are you brown or purple? You must be coming to purple. brown. Purple. Purple. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I say eight years. It's been seven years, hasn't it? Because yeah. um, because we've had a year off. Lost that, so, yeah. 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 i got three stripes on my purple belt. So. Ah, okay. Yeah, see, around the um, So it's uh, – and every, but everyone's been so accepting and, you know, they – and it's so egalitarian, isn't it, Jiu-Jitsu? It's, it's not about what you do. It's not about how much money you make. It, it's about, it's not only how you, how you are on the mats as, a, a, as your, your skill level, but it's also your level of respect for other people. It's not, it's your level of respect for other people. It's your level of respect for the art and it's the level of respect for your teacher. Um, and... I've just found it remarkable how much I've learned from jiu-jitsu yeah. and, and how beneficial it, it's been um, physically and mentally. You know, I, because as a, as a striker, you know, I was, you know this, I was that karate man who went jiu-jitsu. What a lot of old crap. You come in, I'm going to knee you on the way in. I was that guy, right? I have been that guy. Until I went over and went, and, and now, you know, for ages, it took me, I mean, not now, I've been at it, what, nine years, whatever. It took me ages to realize how much I loved it, how much I loved jiu-jitsu and realize. Mm. And, what, and what it has, the reason I think it has those effects, which a lot of martial arts talk about, and, and that article we spoke about that, you know, gets rid of the ego, et cetera, or helps you be a better person. That's a complete lie. Martial arts does not help you be a better person unless that's what you're looking for. Right. It's not yeah. a default. It's not a default. And the beautiful thing about grappling is that you are hands on. So the reason you become a better person is because you get beaten up for the first seven and a half years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you the reason so in the in the arts where you don't make contact, you can you can be the snarling dog because there's no way to test that. Right. It depends who snarls or hits the pad or when they kick the bag. Does it slam harder in grappling that is taken out of you straight away? You snarl, you go to sleep. Oh, okay. So at some point, it just drains out of you because it's not all you leave, right? And that's why I find there are, that's why the community, for me anyway, uh, the community of jiu jitsu has such 
um, it's authentic. I'm not suggesting the other eights are. I've been around a lot of art, so I think I can suggest actually. But um, why it's authentic. And the other reason I believe is because of the nature of touch. I don't think humans are designed to strike. They're designed to touch and hold and play and grapple and jump and pull hair, you know, gently. We naturally, you know, you don't play fight with your children by kicking them in the head. You play fight with your children by rolling and tumbling and throwing them on the bed maybe or whatever. And I, that's why I think it's, uh, it's a great art. I love it. You know my viewers. I love it. It's really aggressive hugging, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, and that, that feeling that you get, that feeling you get, afterwards that feeling of it is it is almost love isn't it i, I agree with you a feeling of love that you get for the people that the person that's just broken your arm the person that's just choked <laughs> choked you out you you almost have this immensely deep bond of love afterwards i, I cannot agree with you more and and i i can't have that conversation with too many people because not too many people uh, are happy to express that like that. But I cannot agree with you more, George. And I know, you know, we, we can say all sorts of stuff to each other, but I, I completely, completely agree with that. And and nowhere have I had deeper friends, apart from Alessandra, who comes from a different world, and we did chat together, where my friends who not having, like we haven't spent a ton of time together, but in so short a time, close than the people I've met in jiu-jitsu. Does that make sense? That didn't come out of my yeah. mouth, but you, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, no, I, I completely understand. And it, I mean, Sean and I have a, a bond that is just extraordinary because not only do we work together every day, but we, you know, we train together two, three times a week, you know, and it's, uh, it, and, and it, it's just an extraordinary, I mean, he is, you know, I, I've, I have four sisters. I always wanted a brother and who knows that it would turn out to be a six foot black guy from East London. You know, it's, it's just, he is just like, he is. Yeah, if, you were, if you were walking down the street, I would come to you and go twins. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He's, um, he's just, he's just the most wonderful person. Yeah. Amazing. Listen, now I'm very mindful that you have one day off a week now. So um, I don't want to take too much more of your time because I know that uh, you've got the girls and you've got your wife and you're working hard. But I did want to ask you just one more thing before um, I let you go. Um, just the Buddhist millionaireship, right? You for me are the epitome of Buddhist millionaire. And I know that people, and just for those who are, who are listening who still don't know what a Buddhist millionaire is, oh, kidding me, right? Well, firstly, buy the book. And secondly, where have you been? But anyway, um, on a scale you know two scales right at one end people are either making money but not particularly happy you know like the angry businessman right or they're the broke creative okay so buddhist millionaire is something in the middle they do stuff they love stuff that when the alarm goes off in the morning they love it and they make money doing it right good we're up to scratch now george you being one of those for people who want to live that life you are what give them advice one thing that they can take away and go Oh yeah, George Asprey guy, and that's on. That's the mind worm in their head all day. Bring it home for us. For me, um, I think it's it's the importance of incremental learning. Mm. I think to to change what one does, or to change. It, it's not even about, I think, you know, the Buddhist millionaire philosophy is not just about your job. It's about your, your life. Mm. Um, 
change something little and do it every day. And you may not see the benefits in a week. You may not even see the benefits in a month. But the benefits over a year or two years will be huge. And you'll look back at where you were a year ago or two years ago and you go, I cannot believe that from that little tiny tomato seed, yeah. I am now a huge plant growing tomatoes. That it didn't happen overnight. It happened over over a period of time. And anything that's that's worth doing is is worth working at. And every, anything that's worth reaping is going to happen over time. It's not going to be an overnight thing. And I think that's really important to, to remember. Um, and don't, don't completely just like drop everything and go headfirst into, um, into your, your new project. Do it by stages. Mm -hmm. Just start it off as a hobby, then try doing it for friends and then, then put it out there that you can do this for uh, other people at weekends. And then, and eventually it will become your, your business or your, your mode of making money. And it will just sort of organically grow, but you don't, um, I think in the book, I think I, I use the uh, expression, you don't sort of cut the head off something and expect something yeah. automatically to grow yeah. you know you have to sort of nurture both sides and increase one side and lessen the other slowly yeah. and then and then that then eventually you'll you'll, you'll be able to uh, change your project also you'll also find out that sometimes you'll find that that isn't the project for you and mm -hmm. and so you you won't have completely burned your bridges from the other, from the yeah, other projects. Yeah. You can go back to the other, the other project, the way you were, and you can start again from something else. You know, it's, it's like going for an audition, isn't it? You, I'm, if I got worried about every audition that I didn't get, I'd be a broken man. Same with me with book refusals. Yeah, there you go. So, um, so don't get disheartened. If, if at first you don't succeed, try, try, try again. And, um, I think the best thing I've ever heard is to thine own self be true. Don't feel that you are defined by one particular thing. I'm not defined. I don't define myself as an actor because if I define myself as an actor, as soon as COVID came and I couldn't act, I'd be broken. That's a great point. That's a really good point. And That's so really I, I don't define myself as a husband because if my wife left me for whatever reason i'd be broken i don't just just define myself as a father because if my children let me down or if i let my children down i'd be broken these are all parts of you but you cannot be defined by one particular external thing you have to be yourself and you have to be defined by the greater power mm. because that universe god whatever you like to call it that's the thing that won't let you down yeah. and so that's that's the thing to to put your faith in i think and that's magic 
that's all I have. I, I, I don't know if that makes sense. And I, I no, tend to ramble. I, I'm sorry. I, I do. No, not at all. I, to, I told you listeners, I told you you'd like him, right? Who's going to wrap up better with something as profound as that? That is George, and he's a maestro. Now, listen to all of you. You know I say this every single episode, and that's not going to stop me saying it again. George has to do his lines every night. I'm going to say this every time. Um, please take a moment to like and share this stuff. Not because I'm trying to build a Jake Paul platform. I, I, it's not about that. But you know people who will benefit from what George and I have discussed today. So take a moment just to think about who's struggling, who needs a, maybe a little bit of advice or whatever, and share it. It's not about me, not about building likes on my podcast, but share it with people who you think will uh, think you could help. George, thank you, man. Always an absolute pleasure. And um, until next time. Matt, I, I can't wait till we can aggressively hug again. <laughs> Lots of love. Thank okay. you, mate. See you next time. Bye.